Elections. It is midday here on KRVN. Tyler Cavalli along with you. Some nice temperatures so far. It'll be a little bit breezier today, but shouldn't be too bad if you're out there harvesting. We'll get that full ag weather forecast coming up in about 15 minutes with our own Paul Perkins. Jason Jorgensen is in with sports. UNK Volleyball getting a nice win on the road last night. We'll get more on that. Bob Rogan will also tell us how stocks are doing. Looks like a lot of red on the screen right now. He'll fill us in and coming up in just a few moments. But let's catch up with our own Susan Littlefield. Susan, how are you doing so far on this Wednesday? Hey, I'm doing well. I'm actually out in York uh, at McLean Beef with Congressman Adrian Smith and mm. uh, the folks from the, from the Mexican consulate out of Omaha. They're uh, here to check out what's going on uh, beef-wise. So it's been kind of an interesting interesting thing. Now, did I see McLean Beef, who just opened up in York, uh, what you're at right now, did I see that they have a... You can buy beef out of a, um, uh, what is it, dispenser, essentially? Yeah, you can buy beef 24-7 through a just a vending machine. Vending machine. It is the coolest thing, yeah. And they said that they have to actually come in on the weekends, because they're not open on the weekends, but they have to come in on the weekends and restock the vending machine, because it's uh, totally empty. A good old ribeye out of the vending machine anytime you want. That's uh, that's new age of technology, I guess. Yeah, but, Steve White and I were fighting over a tomahawk steak earlier. Oh, okay. They have room for that in there. All right. Well, that, yep. that'll be interesting. Well, what do you have coming up for us on midday today? Well, at 1219, we'll be hearing from Bryce as he's talking grains. Then we're going to continue kind of that grain feel at 1245 as we're going to hear from the brand new president of the National Corn Growers Association, a producer out of the state of Iowa. And then I'll wrap up everything at 117 as we talk California agriculture and one congressman gives us his thoughts on climate change. It's kind of interesting. So that's a midday from us. Okay, good stuff. We'll let you get back to uh, what things are happening in York. We appreciate the time. Thank you. All right. And that is Susan Littlefield hanging out in York, Nebraska. Let's turn things over to Jason. And uh, another good W last night for UNK Volleyball. It went on the road and knocked out Fort Hay State. I always say a 90-minute special. Last night it was about a 75-minute special. Yeah, when I saw that you had tweeted that they had won in straight sets and what time it was, I'm like, you just got there. That thing just uh, just got done, just started. There were some quick determinations last night. Not a lot of long rallies between the Lopers and Fort Hayes State. And Hayes has improved this year, but UNK was ready to go. We'll get the thoughts of Coach Rick Squires about that. Also, baseball postseason continues tonight. How would you like to be the Dodgers? You just put together a 106-win season, and that was only good enough for the wild card as they have to take on the Red Hot St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah, and that's because the Giants somehow won the NL West. I'm still very, very baffled by that. But they've put together pitching. You have strong pitching. We'll see if that pays off in the postseason. Also tonight, umpire Joe West is set to work behind the plate. Uh, he is going to be retiring at the end of the season. He doesn't know if mm. he'll be assigned any more games or not. Mm. Called his first big league game 1976. Broke the record for most games umpired earlier this summer. Old Joe West. People either of, love him yeah. or a lot of them hate him. There's a lot of things to say about him. <laughs> All right. Uh, Bob Rogan, we always have good things to say about you. Stocks are going downhill as the uh, market undergoes a bout of volatility. And uh, the S&P uh, fell in the opening minutes of trading and hasn't really picked up from there. So things are down right now. There's also a strike going on at several Kellogg Company plants, including the one in Omaha. Details on those stories. Thanks.
It's time for Regional Ag Weather Update, brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation, your Ranky dealer. Paul Perkins is joining us in the studio, and Paul, it's turning out to be a, a, a lovely fall Wednesday. Yeah, once again, uh, ideal conditions across the area, especially if you're wanting to get that harvest underway. A little bit more in the way of moisture across the area, thanks to some southerly winds. That is bumping those dew points right now into the mid to upper 50s across much of the central and east. Still fairly low on those dew points as you head towards west-central Nebraska and northwest Kansas on into the western areas with dew points right now in the 40s to around 50. Yeah, so not too bad out. Uh, it's going to be a little bit more windy today, but it's not like it's going to be out of control, bad gusts. Yeah, just uh, windy compared to what we've been experiencing the last couple of days. A little more cloud cover as you head towards eastern areas right now along and east of Highway 81 in Nebraska and Kansas. Quite a bit of cloud cover thanks to some low pressure over Arkansas, but otherwise uh, staying high and dry in Nebraska and Kansas. A lot of us enjoying lots of sunshine once again. And today, those temperatures are going to be more seasonal, 70s, maybe 80s as it goes along. Definitely not as warm as what we saw yesterday. Right now we have temperatures pretty much in the mid to upper 60s. And once again, that cloud cover very prevalent over eastern Nebraska and eastern Kansas. Temperatures more so in the low 70s as you head into northern Kansas and northeast Colorado. Right now as warm as 73 as you head into Holyoke and Ray, Colorado. The weather forecast staying dry for all areas through the day Saturday. And for most areas through the day Sunday. Today not going to be quite as warm as what we saw yesterday, but it will still be slightly warmer. Warmer than usual for this time of year. Southerly winds a little stronger today, just ahead of a low pressure trough. Skies staying sunny across the west and central. Those eastern areas along and east of Highway 281 with a little more cloud cover from low pressure over Arkansas. That is propping up some rain over south central and southeastern areas of Missouri. Otherwise, for tomorrow through Saturday, we'll start to see those warming temperatures again. Region-wide highs ran around 80 returning as the ridge of high pressure builds up from the southern plains. With the approach of low pressure, south winds increasing on Saturday. Near critical fire conditions possibility during the day Saturday with some low humidity and possibly some gusty winds. As that area of low pressure tracks across the plains, some slight chances of rain in western and northern areas by Saturday night and then region-wide by Sunday night into Tuesday. Right now, just looking at some slight chances of rain. If we do see any rain, it's not going to be a big rainmaker, probably some light amounts. A cold front on Saturday night will drop our temperatures to seasonal levels for Sunday into Tuesday. In the long-term forecast, temperatures in Nebraska, Kansas, and the eastern two-thirds of the U.S. Monday through October 19th expected to remain overall warmer than normal. Something to keep an eye on, though. Near normal to slightly cooler than normal air projected to start working into the Nebraska panhandle. Above normal rainfall is indicated for Nebraska and Kansas Monday through the 19th, especially early on for next week. Key weather factors affecting the markets include more rain east of the Rockies and favorable planting conditions in Brazil. Rain possibly exceeding an inch will spread across the Midwest the next couple of days, cause some brief harvest delays. A western U.S. pattern change will result in cooler weather and increasingly rainy weather towards the west. That cool and rainy weather arriving towards the end of the week across the northern plains while summer-like heat lingers into early next week across the southern plains. In the Midwest and plains, more scattered rain this this weekend into next week should increase the soil moisture for winter wheat. Most of the winter wheat production areas in need of additional moisture to ensure 
even emergence and proper establishment in Colorado, Kansas, and South Dakota. Winter wheat planting is ahead of the five-year average pace, while crop emergence is behind average. In South Brazil, scattered and heavier rain continues while isolated and lighter rain falls across central Brazil for the next week. There should be an increase in overall rain in central Brazil, favoring the planting of full-season corn and soybeans. Winter wheat for Brazil in the reproductive to filling stage also continues to have mostly favorable conditions. So it looks like the rest of this week, uh, again, good harvesting conditions for pretty much the entire listening area. Yeah, looking really good for those harvest efforts. And even though we are going to see some rain chances towards the weekend, it looks like those rain amounts are going to be on the light side. So nobody really should be rained out for the most part. No, um, maybe some minor delays here, but uh, definitely some full speed ahead weather for us. A good delay. You can get inside, <laughs> watch the Husker game, then by Sunday, get right back at it. Exactly. You betcha. All right, good stuff. For a full weather forecast, where can somebody find that weather page krmian.com thank you paul public power district competing for their chance to win fifty thousand dollars in startup funds i'm bryce duskett on the rural radio network joining you inside the nebraska soybean board studio three nebraska innovators have been named top 10 semi-finalists of the american farm bureau ag innovation challenge those companies include bird's eye robotics marble technologies and grain weevil corporation by advancing to the semifinals, each company earned $10,000 and now compete at the American Farm Bureau Convention in Atlanta, Georgia, coming up in January. We recently learned more about Grain Weevil, and we talked with Zane Zentz and Ben Johnson, who have created this robot that goes inside a grain bin. Thought you'd like to learn a little bit more about the company here on today's feature. Ben says this robot is a grain safety and management device. A couple years ago, a family friend of my dad and I's uh, came to us with an idea to build him a robot so that he, neither he nor his kids would ever have to get into a grain bin again. Grain bins are hot, really dangerous and dirty workplaces that farmers sometimes have to get into the bin to manipulate the grain to help uh, with the extraction or if something breaks inside the bin. Um, and, and so it's a really dangerous situation for farmers to get into. And so we're trying to replace that farmer in the grain bin with a shovel with a robot. So you guys have created a product now. One of you, tell me a little bit more about uh, the product that you've designed. Yeah, so the, the grain weevil is a, a robot which uses a uh, auger drive system to manipulate the top of the grain. Uh, it scurries across the top and it uh, moves the grain so that it can break up any crusts or bridges and also level a grain bin uh, so a farmer doesn't have to get in and do that uh, himself. Um, on top of that, we have other uh, features that we're working on, such as uh, data collection, inspection, and uh, helping with the extraction process of grain. Um, so hopefully it'll be a very robust product that can help the farmer in a lot of different ways. Zane, you are the lead software engineer, so maybe you can talk to us more about the technical side of this. How does the robot work in there? Is it remote control or uh, is it autonomous in the grain bin? So right now, uh, we've just started, so right now it's remote control, but hopefully by the end of the summer we'll have some of the autonomous features working. And by the release, we hope to have it completely autonomous so the farmer never has to control it themselves. They can just drop it in the grain bin and watch it go. What are some of the challenges you've faced in building the software for something like this product? Well, uh, it's completely new space for me. And then uh, on top of that, uh, driving on corn is very different from driving on anything else. Uh, um, it moves as you're driving on it. So you've got something, you know, underneath you moving backwards as you're moving forwards. Uh, it's, it's flowing and it's, it's definitely a new surface to drive on top of, but it's been an interesting challenge and something that we're really excited to take on. 
Ben, let's come back to you. Tell me where you guys are at in the development of this product. So we have our first fully functional prototype completely built, and that's what we've been testing with for the last month or so. Um, and so we're in the process of now building six more of those um, to take into our farmer trials this summer, where we're going to be testing out a lot of those uh, technical challenges that we've talked about, some of those farmer workflows, so we can get an idea of what farmers are doing for different grains in different areas of the United States, um, so we can better plan what how we can fit into their system, um, as well as get that data, collect that data, so we can start to program this thing so it can work on its own. That is Ben Johnson and his teammate Zane Zentz sharing more about Grain Weevil. Now, if you'd like to learn more about this product, you can visit them online. Their website is grainweevil.com. Broadcasting inside the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff, I'm Grind Stuski reporting on the Rural Radio Network. It's time for Midday Sports. Jason Jorgensen is now joining us. This is one of my favorite times of the year. We have football happening at every level. We have uh, hoop season coming up as well. But now it's postseason for Major League Baseball. While the Rockies will never probably see the postseason again, it's now, always don't fun. don't say that. They made improvements this year. They were not they that did. bad. They were not as bad as I thought they are going to be. But listen, when you have two teams <laughs> yeah. in the NOS that are competing, and a team, as you'll mention in a moment, that has most wins and MLB that aren't even hosting. That's unbelievable. How would you like to be a Dodgers fan tonight? Your team wins 106 games, and you have to play a wild card yeah. against the Cardinals, who uh, had that 17-game winning streak. Uh, that's crazy. But Dodgers in good shape tonight. Max Scherzer mm-hmm. on the mound. He was 7-0 and with an ERA under 2 after joining L.A. St. Louis, uh, you'll count with 40-year-old Adam Wainwright, Mr. Dependable. <laughs> Uh, there's a lot of subplots going on in this one tonight. You know, this game, unlike last night, where it was easy to root for the Red Sox, it's always been kind of my like second favorite team over the Yankees. Though I like the Yankees. Tonight, you know, being in the same division, I can't go for the Dodgers. And then I don't like that uh, Nolan Arenado is oh, yeah, playing for the Cardinals. <laughs> it's just like, I think I'll be doing volleyball tonight. Yeah. Also tonight, umpire Joe West is set to work behind the plate. It could be the last game in his long and colorful career. He turns 69 on Halloween. He's planning to retire at the end of the year. He doesn't know if they'll assign him after tonight. West called his first big league game in 1976 and broke Bill Clem's record for most games umpired when he worked his 5,376 regular season game last May. Also one of our resident baseball experts here, and I did not know this, tells me that old Joe West, he is an aspiring singer and songwriter over the years. Yeah, I believe he has a band. He has like a little band put together. Uh, I haven't really seen much of it, but I did kind of know that. Yeah, that's interesting. That's nuts. Imagine the stories he could tell. I mean, of all the players that he's been, he's seen the legends just to sit down with him for a couple hours be interesting. All the people he's had to run, <laughs> all of the people in his face mm-hmm, didn't agree with a call. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That'd be incredible. I bet he writes a book. I hope he does. UNK volleyball team needed just over an hour last night to sweep Fort Hayes State. The Lopers played well and approved a 94-9 and all-time against the Tigers. They hit 330, served up eight aces, and had six-and-a-half team blocks, and head coach Rick Squires saw some good things. So I think, yeah, we came in here very sharp, controlled the ball, played good defense, uh, seemed to be clicking on all cylinders offensively, didn't string errors together, thought we served really tough, served great. 
That's as good as I've seen the Lopers play this year, and I've I've done several of their matches. Alliance sophomore Emerson Sizor remained hot on the outside with 12 kills and hit 250. Up next for the Lopers, I'll have to take on a top 10 ranked Central Missouri on the road on Friday. And Charles Thompson played a key role as quarterback for Oklahoma teams to beat Texas in 1987 and 88. He'll be cheering for the rival Longhorns on Saturday when his son Casey starts at quarterback for 21st ranked Texas against the sixth ranked Sooners. Thompson says he catches some grief from his old teammates with his son playing in Oklahoma's biggest rival. You talk about irony, mm-hmm. because it was Thompson who was at the forefront of the scandal that brought down Oklahoma football and Barry Switzer mm-hmm. in the uh, late 80s, early 90s with all of the shenanigans they were up to, and then his kid turns around playing for Texas. Weird how things work like that. You know, it's also odd that this doesn't happen more often. Because usually you see a lot of like the kids like I'm gonna go play where my dad played or try to at least. So, good old Charles Thompson. He did some time in prison, but uh, he's out and hopefully turned his life around. (laughs) (laughs) All right, good stuff. Thank you very much. Here. Time for Midday News. News Director Dave Schroeder is joining us, and uh, there was an arrest in Seward County uh, just recently. Yes, uh, there was an interesting uh, traffic stop on I-80 in uh, Seward County. It's a Seward County deputy initiated a traffic stop uh, Monday morning on I-80 in the westbound lanes. The deputy became suspicious of the driver and female passenger, and the odor of marijuana was also present. The deputy explained that he'd be conducting a probable cause search of the vehicle. That prompted the driver to jump out of the patrol vehicle, run to his vehicle, and fled, and a pursuit was initiated reaching 120 miles per hour as it traveled westbound and passed other vehicles on the shoulder. Well, the vehicle eventually wrecked out and the passengers or the occupants were treated for their injuries and uh, the driver or the search of the vehicle uh, revealed six illegal firearms. So the driver, 37-year-old El Shah Amon Royster of St. Louis, Missouri, was arrested on several charges, and the female passenger was interviewed and released. University of Nebraska System President Ted Carter presented a series of university proposals yesterday focused on workforce development, health care, and research and innovation for state leaders to consider for the American Rescue Plan funding. Carter, in testimony before the legislature's Appropriations Committee, suggested creating facilities at UNMC to expand pancreatic cancer research and to grow global health security programs. At UNMC, an institute dedicated to pancreatic cancer research has been a long-standing priority. We are on the cusp of breakthroughs, but a diagnosis, a diag- diagnosis of pancreatic cancer is still far too devastating. A new research institute would give hope to those who have to fight this terrible disease. Investments in UNMC's Global Center for Health Security would help us prepare for the next pandemic or whatever public health crisis comes our way. 
Well, Carter also mentioned a proposal for the University of Nebraska campus where they would develop a UNK-UNMC rural health complex to address the needs for more health care professionals in rural Nebraska. And in Kansas, a new legislative audit says that many Kansas school districts aren't taking basic steps to protect their computer systems and the privacy of sensitive information collected about students. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Dave Schroeder. The month of October brings a new president to the National Corn Growers Association, and he's from Iowa. Hi, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Chris Edgington met with farm broadcasters to talk about some of his goals and why he became and wanted to run for this role. I became president of the National Corn Growers Association, making family farms like ours better, is what drives me. It's also why I ran for the Corn Board, and it's why I ran to be president of NCGA. And just like our farm, my goal as president is to make NCGA the best team it can be. That starts with staying focused on our top priorities, and these include growing demand for our products, protecting profitability of our businesses, and building trust in our sustainable production methods. Expanding the, higher, the use of higher ethanol blends is one way to grow demand. Good news is we got a bill that'll do just that. The bipartisan Next Generation Fuels Act would require automakers to phase in higher levels of clean, low carbon, octane ethanol. Working together, we can get this passed. The threat of higher taxes has us all concerned about profitability right now. Congress is considering a plan to raise taxes on farmers by removing the stepped-up basis provision, raising capital gains taxes, lowering inheritance levels, and lowering the 1031 exchange limits. It's going to take all of us in agriculture working together to persuade them to drop this bad idea. And I believe we can get this done. Edgington said it's important for corn growers to tell their story about sustainability. The depth and richness of that story is definitely something we must work together on. The thing about this job, there will always be issues to work on. Good ones, bad ones, and others that fall someplace in between. I can't say for sure what they'll be or when we'll be confronted with them. But I can promise that my approach to solving these problems hasn't changed a bit from what my dad taught me long ago. We'll tackle them together as a team because working together works. Speaking of team, I look at all of you as part of the NCGA team. You are the voice of agriculture and you make sure our message is heard. For that, I thank you. Thank you for being our partner. As president, I plan on having many conversations with all of you about agriculture and the corn industry. We have a great team that you are part of. And as we all know, working together works. 
One of the topics brought up numerous times was his thoughts on the trade policy in the Biden administration. Well, Jackie, you know trade is important to agriculture. It's important to America. Um, We have a tremendous amount of ability to produce both ag products and other products in this country. And we want the Biden administration to be proactive in their approach to trade. Um, We've got some long-term partners, uh, Mexico and Canada, that we've done a lot with. And and yet we maybe have some challenges with them. That's why USMCA is such a great piece of material. China is is obviously the wild card. Um, And right now we seem to have pretty decent trading relationships with them. But we want to build on that Southeast Asia region that is continuing to grow, add people, add demand for food products and other products. And we certainly need to spend some more time uh, encouraging and educating the European Union that uh, what we produce is a safe, wholesome product that they need to utilize. So our message simply is we need trade and we need more trade. And we will take it in all places from all countries because we are a good trading partner and a reliable supplier. And with a loss seen in the E15 year-round sales, many are wondering what is National Corn Growers Association going to do and their role in trying to get that back? You know, that's, that's a, it's a great question, and it's a tough question because there's no easy answers. Um, you know, if you saw yesterday, Growth Energy is applying uh, um, to the Supreme Court to take a look at that. Um, so that's, that's the last avenue that I understand uh, on the legal front. But we do have champions in in Congress that are working to add a few words to the current legislation we have that will allow E15 to be sold year-round. It's a tremendous product. It's great for the consumer. It's great for the environment. And so we will continue to work with whatever avenues are presented to us or with any um, other opportunities to continue to push the value of E15 on a year-round basis. Those comments coming from Iowa farmer Chris Edgington. Again, he's taking over the role this year as a National Corn Growers Association president. He says staying focused on top priorities is going to be one of his goals for this year. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Stocks are falling on Wall Street as the market undergoes a bout of volatility. With the business report for Wednesday, I'm Bob Brogan. The S&P 500 fell six-tenths of a percent in the opening minutes of trading. The benchmark index has alternated between gains and losses of more than 1% the previous four days. International markets also sold off with exchanges in Japan, South Korea, Germany, and France all dropping more than 1%. Energy prices are retreating after a strong rally that contributed to renewed inflation fears among investors. The Biden administration is trying to prevent evictions from public housing for non-payment of rent following the end of the nationwide eviction moratorium that was a response to the coronavirus pandemic. Under a new rule from the Department of Housing and Urban Development, Tenants in HUD-subsidized public housing cannot be evicted for non-payment without providing them 30 days' notice and information about available federal emergency rental assistance. The new rule is scheduled to be published on Thursday in the Federal Register. 
General Motors and General Electric are looking at developing a supply chain of rare earth materials that help make electric vehicles and renewable energy equipment. The companies say the Memorandum of Understanding between the automaker and GE Renewable Energy will evaluate options to improve supplies of heavy and light rare earth materials, as well as magnets, copper, and electrical steel. It would be the token of all tokens, a $1 trillion coin minted by the U.S. government, then cashed in to flood the Treasury with cash and solve a political impasse over suspending the debt limit. The idea is getting some attention in Washington as an October 18 deadline approaches with Democrats and Republicans deadlocked over how to stave off an unprecedented credit default, but the coin seems to be a non-starter with the White House and Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob When most folks think of California agriculture, they think of the mid to southern part of the state. But what about the northern district of California and what's produced? Hi, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Representative Doug LaMalfa represents the 1st District in California and he happens to be a member of the House Ag Committee. As he talks about the most northern district of California. My first district's the northeast corner of the state. It touches uh, Oregon and Nevada in that corner up there. It's 11 counties. So you got a lot of high country there. People growing a lot of hay and grass crops up that way. And of course, timbers are extremely important. Uh, mining is very important for, uh, you know, we have cement mines and of course, in the old days, gold mines because you know, you know what California with its uh, gold reputation and get down more into the valley you have a lot of tree crops peaches uh, almonds walnuts we say almonds out there by the way um, uh, prunes or uh, you know so we, we I mean there's pecans around there's a little of everything and then you know a lot of rice there's wheat here and there we're not big on wheat we don't quite have soil types everywhere you got to have a lighter soil so, you know, just in the first district, there's a, there's a lot of wine grapes nowadays. You know, people think of the wine country being a little more south and west of me by Napa and Sonoma County, but we're pretty successful with a lot of wine grape growers doing kind of boutique wineries, you know, and uh, growing some of the varieties that are a little more hardy in hotter areas, you know. So there's not a lot of Merlot and Cabernet grown there, but maybe some of your Pinot Noir and some of those types. And he shares his thoughts on what climate change means to California. Well, what is climate change? You know, it really boils down to the amount of CO2 in the atmosphere is what a lot of people around here are pinning that on. So you might be surprised to know that, unless those that really pay attention, our atmosphere is made up of 0.04% of carbon dioxide. A lot of people are asking me, oh, it's 30, 40%. No. 0.04%. 0.04%. And the change in CO2 over the last 30 years has only been from a 0.03 something, 035, 0.036, And so we're doing headstands in this country and all over the world that's scaring the heck out of people over CO2. Oh my gosh, climate change. And it's, it's almost a rounding error in the elements of our atmosphere. Okay. Now, methane gas, that's a little more of an issue, things like that, but we're finding ways to utilize it. So we get right down to what's going to affect agriculture and putting food on people's table is these regulations. And it's the endless lawsuits over doing basic things that, you know, it's not like this is 1850 or something where we haven't learned from 
environmental errors or things that we could have, you know, back in the days we used to cut every tree and kill all the buffalo and take giant hydraulic uh, apparatus to gold mine and knock down entire mountains. And they they, don't, they haven't done that stuff in a long time. You know, we're more environmentally conscious than ever. And I'd, I'd submit that uh, farmers, ranchers, are some of the leading stewards of the land and of the uh, conservation efforts. Same with our foresters, you know. Uh, USDA oversees the United States Forest Service, and I'm part of that committee that does that. That's a really frustrating entity there in their lack of speed with which they're managing the land. So we burned 4 million acres last year in California, 4.2 million acres. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Those thoughts from California Representative Doug LaMalfa. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Patent on the Rural Radio Network. Let's check in on that closing grain trade now with StoneX's John Payne, publisher of the Daily Newsletter this week in grain. John, coming into the close, kind of a wild market when you take a step back and look at the broader commodity complex, big moves in natural gas, big moves in cotton. Does any of this really apply to the grain traders, the grains looking and staying in their own lane, not watching what's happening around them? Well, we saw a big, we saw a big move in the wheat, uh, you know, Minneapolis specifically up 15 um, but that, that's pretty much it. Soybean meal, soybean oil, saw a little bit of reversal in that spread action, which maybe tells you the bottom could be in. You really want to see meal pick up. I think oil will stay on its own. But the meal side, I think, could dictate beans a little higher. And then corn, you know, down a quarter cent, three, four and a quarter. It's, it's really not a lot to talk about. I mean, nothing's changed. I think you're maybe in the midst of harvest pressure. Uh, we had an uh, Egyptian wheat tender announced mid-morning, uh, and they, they came in at 2 or 320, 330 per metric ton. And, you know, with freight, you're talking about $360 per metric ton wheat into, into Egypt. That's double where it was two years ago. So I think in the case of corn, we're cheap still. I think long-term, you're going to see prices, you know, up above here based off of, you know, an unknown weather growing season in Brazil. And then just the fact that the energy sector is going to drag ethanol higher. Uh, and I, I think, you know, you look at crude oil here, that's a potential trade to look at, just given that we've seen such a rally in natural gas and, and uh, coal as well. So any any real energy should be you know should be watched here. With that ten year high in the cotton market, is it too early to start saying in Texas, in parts of the South, or is, is cotton going to take acres away from other row crops just given these high prices? Well, yeah, except the prices aren't that high, you know, in the deferred contracts, and this is the case across the books, really. Where I don't know if like buyers are taking their 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 cue from the FOMC, where the you know. It's transitory, this inflation. So, which meaning, like, the futures price or the cash price now is going to meet the futures price later. Futures price later for cotton trade in 88 cents. The front month today traded a penny 15. I think in the case of corn, we see that. We saw that this summer where you went to, you know, 750 on the front month May contract. And then, by the, meanwhile, December in the back month is still trading in the low fives. Um, you know, my thinking is the, the producer here is going to, is going to be stingy on sales. Uh, unless they need the money. And right now you have real negative interest rates, so needing money isn't really a thing. You really don't want money. You want to be invested in other things. That is John Payne. He is with StoneX. Always learn more. StoneX.com. There you can sign up again. His daily newsletter this week in grain. Do remember, though, trading futures options involve risk of loss may not be suitable for all investors. Do consider these risks before investing. A green day for the wheat markets, a lower day for the corn and soybeans.
Thank you, Clay. That'll wrap up midday here on this Wednesday. Catch the midday podcast available wherever you can find podcasts or at krvn.com.